Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. And in today's episode, we actually have a very interesting topic to talk about, something that's been a buzzword for a few years now. It's become a very prominent topic amongst not just uh, people that are uh, trying to adopt this new concept, but also amongst prominent investors. And so within the studio, we have Robert. Good afternoon. And a special guest, Will. And the three of us, we will be discussing a lot about cryptocurrencies. Oh, hello, Will. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) Oh, no. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And the way this came about was, you know, we've had numerous clients of ours and others that have asked us about cryptocurrency and, you know, how do they get involved in it? How do they get started? Should they buy it? And so I reached out to an expert in the industry and someone that's been involved for five plus years and um, has actually been so successful that in his mid-40s, he's able to retire from his chosen profession and and get, be involved with cryptocurrency full-time. And that's Will. So, Will, um, having said that, if someone calls me and says, hey, you know, should I invest in cryptocurrency? How can I get started? What do some of these terms mean? I mean, it. the floor is yours. Sure, yeah. So, so cryptocurrency is a big buzzword lately like you said you know um i'm sure people have heard like dogecoin the dog meme coin you know shiba inu uh, another dog meme coin also uh, elon musk tweeting about doge and lately tim cook just uh, disclosed that he owns cryptocurrency um so it's so it's been around for about last you know 10 plus years and it's a it's a very fast evolving field um and because it is a software so it rapidly changes every single day, basically. Um, now, when it comes to investment and it is a safe, you know, how do you get involved? I think it depends on the uh, risk tolerance level of everyone, because Bitcoin has been associated with like uh, like scam uh, or mm-hmm. drugs or um, you know illegal everything, basically. And um, so, so there's not a good. Uh, like uh, association with Bitcoin, so in, in cr- cryptocurrencies from the media outlets. Um, so uh, not everyone's ready to do it. I, I encourage everyone before venturing to cryptocurrency, do your own research. Um, encourage you, everyone to watch some podcasts or listen to podcasts like this, go on YouTube, um, go to websites and look at a few things. When you think you're ready, you think and venture in. But you have to do your homework, meaning that um, once you know you want to do uh, buy cryptocurrency uh, as part of your uh, portfolio assets, you have to do your diligence on how to secure your own cryptocurrency, store them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of responsibilities on on top of that. So, 
And I heard somewhere today that there's some 80 different uh, cryptocurrencies available now. Oh, gosh. Um, no, actually, there are precisely over 10,000 cryptocurrencies available right now. Wow. Had no yeah. idea. Hmm. Now, uh, not all of them are currency-based. There's a difference between a cryptocurrency, like a, like a currency, versus like a coin, like a Bitcoin coin, versus token, which is a different uh, utility. So out of the 10,000 cryptocurrency ecosystem, not all of them are currency. I'll say only a small percentage. Um, the majority is uh, tokens, basically. Okay. And what are tokens? So tokens can be utility value, such as uh, they're not currency-based. They're probably a governmental right to a certain project, or they can be a uh, certain staking assets belong to a DeFi platform. You can think of them as a share of a company, basically. And when, uh, when but they're not really DeFi. You're talking about decentralized finance. I'm sorry. Yes, it's called decentralized finance. Mm -hmm. um, so decentralized finance is the uh, a big movement in cryptocurrency lately. Basically, the the motto is you be your own bank. Uh, you don't need a bank anymore. You can basically uh, bank on your own, host your own cryptocurrencies. You can you can actually put your assets up for borrowing, so you can borrow against your own assets without a bank. Um, you can do all that on DeFi platform without a um, you know like a going to a, a real bank. So I see. Now I know there's a lot of technical aspects to this, but before we get into that, um, one common question that I get from pretty much all my clients that are trying to dive into this is that is it safe? Is it secure? How do I know that if I put in money into this that it's not going to get hacked? Because I know, as you mentioned earlier, it has something to do with the software binary numbers. How do I know that whatever I invest in it is being invested in a secure platform? Exactly. So that's a, that's a good question. Um, with any new uh, technology, there's risk involved, obviously. So and the, the risk level does change every single day, depending on the development of, the, of that certain platform. There's always a risk level. Like your, man, your own money in the bank, like mm -hmm. say with any local bank has its own associated risks, right? Depends on, on their security level, right? They can get hacked as well. But the normal assets in real world, you can actually be backed by FDIC and such. Mm -hmm. in, in crypto world, there's not FDIC uh, insurance, but there's other insurance that you can buy uh, in crypto world to uh, secure your own assets. Uh, the big thing about cryptocurrency is once you buy them, you have to store them on a platform. Usually, it's on such uh, a, like a website called Coinbase. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have their own um, security team and you know two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty secure on a third-party platform. However, in the event they do get hacked, but they do have their own insurance to guard against that, so they can reimburse your, your uh, asset back. Now that won't be the same with smaller platform that can afford to do you know to hire people and have the insurances. So I encourage everyone, if you want to buy a cryptocurrency, buy them on big platform, established platforms such as uh, Coinbase.com or Gemini.com or Kraken.com. And they all have United States banking license, which means they are uh, under jurisdiction of United States banking, um, you know, insurances and all that stuff as well. Now, if you want to uh, venture into 
self-custody, meaning that if you want to store your own crypto, you can. You can actually buy either a hardware wallet, such as Ledger, to store your money, meaning, meaning that if, 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 like, say, the bank goes down or Coinbase goes down, you still have your own money on this USB device uh, that is hardware-based. Or you can download a software wallet to store your own cryptocurrency uh, that is less secure because it can get hacked. Yeah, your own computer, right? Um, so there's different risk levels. So, so basically, it comes down to this: you can store your cryptocurrency on a third-party flat platform that is, you know, enterprise grade, such as Coinbase, or you can download your own um, software wallet, to your own bank, and store that on your own computer. That is not what I recommend. Um, or you can buy a hardware wallet, such as Ledger or Trezor. Um, that is what I recommend if you want to store your own cryptocurrency. Say if you want to take, you know, Bitcoin with you anywhere in the world, uh, that's what I suggest, not a software wallet. So, and, and what kind of regulations? You say you mentioned that Coinbase and a couple of the other ones were regulated by the U.S. banking laws, but what kind of regulations are there that regulate really the the um, people that are acting as their own banks? Um, like individuals, you mean? Yes. Uh, there's not a, a clear uh, law We're, because this field is so new. All the banking laws were established back in, in the early 1900s or late 1800s. With digital assets, there's not any clear regulations just yet. They're basically treated as properties right now, not currency, basically. Um, so, so it's not really a... It's kind of weird. They, they're taxed as a property, but they're... They're, they're treated as currency in a lot of ways. So there's not really any clear, uh, like a like a regulatory body of the government that steps out and go, okay, this is my jurisdiction. I'll take care of that. Right now, it's pretty contested between like SEC and uh, the other branches of the government. They all want to like uh, uh, their hands in there. So are, are, are the SEC and the IRS getting more involved? They are. Um, but what's funny is they... They will say each other doesn't have certain rights to do certain things. So, but they are getting more involved, definitely. IRS, definitely, uh, because they want to tax the uh, the gains. Um, by the way, if you have cryptocurrency, it's on an open ledger, uh, meaning that everyone can see it. Uh, it's definitely not hidden. So, you better be paying your tax. Um, so, <laughs> don't think you can just buy and sell without you know uh, without anyone noticing because. Coinbase will report you if you uh, buy and sell. SEC also, you know, they have their uh, they're passing laws and they're cracking down things quite a bit. Um, so they're trying to clear out the field, but they move very slow. That's the problem is they're always moving a lot slower than you expect them to. Um, so we're not there yet. Well, I know the IRS isn't there yet. Uh, they've been, I guess, threatening or uh, publishing articles saying that they're, you know, wanting to uh, audit more of these transactions, but really what kind of access do they have? I mean, are there any reports that are given to investors? Like if you were with a broker, you know, you get a 1099 at the end of the year. If you're investing in cryptocurrency, do you get any kind of form that you're supposed to give to your tax return preparer? So that's a very good question, Robert. So if you are transacting established websites, kind of like Coinbase or, or Gemini or Kraken, you will get a 1099 end of the year that you can actually uh, give to your CPA. But if you are a smaller platform, kind of like QCoin or Gate.io or these, you know, international body 
exchanges, uh, you sometimes don't have, they are not United States based. So you have to download your transaction onto an Excel sheet a lot of times and import that into a software that can figure that out for you, which it gets more complicated. I don't, I, so that's why I encourage everyone to transact through larger exchanges. So that makes it easier for yourself and also your CPA. And isn't the reporting relatively recent? Because it seems like to me that, I mean, we've had clients that have called us and said, um, gee, I've got a, you know, an eight-figure crypto account. Is that something I need to tell you about? Yeah. So, so this is a tricky situation because Coinbase, so IRS have not done anything for many years in the beginning phase of cryptocurrency. I think it was the 2019 when they started to or 18, they, they started to force Coinbase to report anyone that has transacted over $20,000 on the platform. So basically, they want to list off all the traders that have bought and sold everything that's about $20,000. This is a few years ago. Right. And uh, so Coinbase has to come up with a list in, for the RAS. I'm sure that you know has been the same since that they had to produce a list for RAS, which means RAS probably has your information with them. Now, whether they do something with that is up to them. They probably don't have all the manpower. I believe they, I believe they're under budget to actually do any kind of tracking for as, as a mass adoption basis. But if they want to audit individuals, they can definitely do that for sure because they, they have actually uh, partnered with coin tracking software companies that can do that for them. I just don't think they can do a mass audit of everybody yet. But I do encourage everyone to report your own cryptocurrency earning the best you can, it does get confusing at times. So you need to find an expert for that. Yeah, it's funny that you actually mentioned um, coin tracking software because one other thing to note here regarding cryptocurrencies that I feel is that aside from it just being treated as property, um, a lot of times there are other ways you can actually earn from it, like the reward system, right? And that needs to get reported differently on a tax return. And for that, we need a more detailed report. And a lot of times, exchanges like Coinbase or TradeStation or Kraken, they don't give us that report. We've noticed that there are software companies like Cointracker, for instance, that will have more detailed information on allowing us or other CPAs or financial advisors to correctly report that. Yes, definitely. So uh, they... so. Exchanges do very, very basic reporting. Um, that's it. Uh, you don't get a detailed list. Now, in cryptocurrency, it gets very complicated if you want to go in like how you can earn right. cryptocurrency because staking is easy to figure out. There's airdrops you can do. And there's the decentralized finance mm -hmm. stuff that you can do with uh, liquidity staking, farming, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff you can do. Now, it gets very complicated because if to do one thing goes through like 10 different transactions, right. by the time it spits out a number, you know, you get a big list for one one thing, right? Coin tracker info is good. Crypto, crypto tax also is pretty good. Coinly is really good too. I think I tried all five of them. Um, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> I have accounts on all. I try. I put, I put all my information in, and they did all that in accounting.com. There's a there's a bunch of them. I try at least five. You have, you put all your wallet address in every exchanges with their API, and they can spit out a number. This is the catch. The catch is, I did that right. It still took me months and months to figure out because I have to go through transactions individually because those softwares are pretty dumb. 
even the software can't figure out a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They'll get it wrong. Yeah. So did you get, when you use the five different software programs, did you get vastly different answers? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be, it can, can be hundreds of thousands of difference. Well, that's like scary. It's, it's very like Robert knows this. I was telling him a number and next week's a different number. I'm just like, okay, this is wrong. I got to go back and go to individual transactions to, to do that. This is the problem is when you do that, it takes a lot of time. Right. Right. And because, because I, I, I could have 3000 transactions a year. Right. And you got to go to each one of them and you got to track the wallets and if it's wrong and whatever, you got to correct it manually. Right. So uh, go ahead. Well, and certain transactions, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but certain transactions are not taxable. Yes. So some transactions need to be taxed and the software doesn't do that. Some don't need to be taxed and the software figure it needs to be taxed. So that's why I said it's, it gets a little complicated. So in the software, it's getting smarter, uh, obviously, by the day, because we didn't have this luxury with the software, you know, four or five years ago, for sure. Uh, so this is something that's been developing uh, in the past few years. It's so getting better and better. So with time, I think, would be pretty good, which is not there yet. There's so much development because cryptocurrency is a software, right? It upgrades itself um, every day with different projects, right? With the upgrade and different contracts and different, you know, whatever, it, it changes the, the perimeter of many things, right? So it's hard to keep up with all the development. We joke about it in cryptocurrency. One month in crypto is like, it's like uh, 10 years in traditional finance. It, it changes so fast. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and then one thing you haven't discussed yet, and, and I guess one thing that got a lot of publicity, at least in the early days, was mining. Yes. So mining is um, getting phased out. Uh, mining is basically a proof of work algorithm, uh, such as Bitcoin. Uh, basically, you have to run um, a hardware, like computer, supercomputer of some sort. Then you, they use the processing power and uh, they, they mine these, they solve these equa- e- algorithms, equations to, to mine Bitcoin. You exchange the network gets the super computing power to secure itself. As a matter of fact, Bitcoin mining algorithm has never been hacked ever since the beginning, right? So it is probably the most secure network in the world. Meaning that if you imagine this, imagine you put your ID and medical records on there that can never be hacked, that is getting stronger every day. That would be, you know, incredible, right? Because we know, you know, our records just hack all the time, you know, mm-hmm. with Facebook and what, what, whatnot. But the, the new coins that's coming out, they are changing to what we call staking, meaning that you, you don't mine anymore. You stake your um, coins to earn rewards. So, so we're moving away from that. So Bitcoin and a few other coins are still doing the mining, but it's getting phased out. Uh, so uh, in a few years, that won't be, even be a thing anymore. And I, I don't know about the other currencies, but Bitcoin only has a finite number available, right? That's correct. Uh, so Bitcoin only has 21 million ever, meaning that I think we are, we're, we're getting close to like 190 or maybe, so we're getting close to mining the, the last ones, meaning that it will get harder and harder to mine uh, because the, the, the algorithm will increase in difficulty every so often and uh, require more money hardware to mine the same 
amount of Bitcoin. And there's a heavy event every four years, the reward gets half um, uh, every four years. So um, with that said, um, once all the Bitcoin gets mined, that's it. There won't be any more created. So uh, very different than how we print money, where we can print unlimited amount of money. A Bitcoin is basically a, a depreciating asset. So as more people adopt Bitcoin, there's less to be had because everyone wants to hold some, right? So I think we're only at 3% to 4% of world population that actually owns cryptocurrency in the world. Uh, it means that when the mass, mass adoption comes, the Bitcoin price will have to go up from the demand supply level, right? Now, now is this the same for all cryptocurrencies or is this just unique to Bitcoin? Uh, so uh, finite, finite coins are unique to uh, a small portion of the coins. Okay. Uh, for example, like Ethereum is now uh, unlimited. Uh, Ethereum is does not have a, a limited supply. Now, now Ethereum Classic, its its old version has a limited supply. So it depends on the math that's running the algorithm. Uh, some can uh, actually decrease. There are some coins that actually gets less as you use them. They burn themselves. So they go from a lot to like too little in about 10 years. Uh, so it depends on the algorithm and what's be, uh, what the purpose is for. You actually uh, started talking about an important category of the cryptocurrencies. But before we get into that, um, can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about blockchain and how that works? Yeah, so definitely. Um, so blockchain, like I said before, is an open ledger, right? Mm -hmm. So blockchain is basically like uh, trains on a track, right? You would have each block is a uh, finite uh, storage of a data, right? So you write into the block, each block uh, that has a date and timestamp on top of it. And once this block is mined, it gets stored on the blockchain. And the next block comes in, more data goes in, and it gets mined, it goes in the blockchain, right? So essentially, we are storing history of finance on blockchain, meaning that if you want to go back to 2012 at you know, 2 a.m. at you know, a certain block, you use a, you can point to it and go, okay, on this block, this, 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 this happened, right? And you can never change that ever. You cannot alter the data ever. So which means you cannot, the data is immutable. You cannot change that. And everyone can actually see that. If you want to see a certain block on a Bitcoin, you can do that. That also means you can use this blockchain technology to do a lot of stuff, such as finance, right? We know banking records, transaction records, and Bitcoin does not allow double spending, meaning that in cryptocurrency world, if you double spend, the because the block needs to be mined, they will verify if there's another transaction with the exact same number somewhere else that is happening at the same time. And if there are two transactions happen, one of them will be rejected. Obviously, the fake one, right? Mm -hmm. And so you cannot double spend an asset, which is different than traditional finance, which happens all the time, right? Um, so it also means, you know, um, if you want to uh, apply the technology to, say, uh, tracking, like supply tracking, uh, because we know like supply chain right now is pretty messed up with the COVID and mm -hmm. 
manufacturing. So everyone has have their own islands of data, right? With blockchain, you can do supply chain tracking, which will be which you, they're being used all over the world. People just don't know about it. Um, and also, you can do medical. You can store, say, medical X-ray stuff or scan on a blockchain. And you have the you can have the AI technology to scan that blockchain to cross-reference certain diagnosis, and you can get a diagnosis from an AI robot from a blockchain uh, store record in like 0.1 second. Uh, so that's something that's de- being developed right now. And driving, also driving, you can apply that to like cars. Cars can access blockchain uh, so they can know where, where you know, all the cars are, all the traffic. So it, it can be applied to every single thing in our life, basically. Yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, if someone starts investing in, I mean, you get a newbie, and if they start investing in, in cryptocurrency, would what if they don't have, you know, $65,000, which is the value of one Bitcoin today? What if they don't have that much to get started? So that is definitely a good question. I have a lot of friends says, I don't have $65,000 for one Bitcoin. And my, my, my answer is Bitcoin is a software, meaning that it, it is not a coin physically, like a physical coin you have to buy, not like a, like a gold coin or silver coin. You can buy 0.000001 Bitcoin if you want to. You can buy five Bitcoin, 5.4 if you want to, right? So you can own this in fraction. As many as, it's just like a number, you can divide, divide it infinitely. Well, you know, it's interesting. We've all seen that picture of a Bitcoin. So you tend to think it's something physically out there somewhere. Exactly. It looks it like a, a gold ma- coin. It, Exactly. It, it's definitely not. So it is a, how do I say, it only resides in cyber world, meta world, right? So yeah. all this stuff is very connected to the meta world that, you know, Facebook is talking about lately, right? right. Um, so Bitcoin is a, it's a math algorithm, right? So when you purchase a Bitcoin, you don't actually own a Bitcoin. You actually, you own the key and the hash to a address on a blockchain that says this person has one Bitcoin. Okay. So your asset actually live, lives on a blockchain. You don't actually have it in your own hand. You're, you have the key to an asset, right? So that also means uh, you can never lose it, really. Uh, it, it doesn't belong on a USB drive or an exchange account. It's All they store is a key to the coin, basically, to your asset. So what happens if, um, I'm sure you know the story about the guy over in uh, Britain that invested very early on in Bitcoin, and I guess his girlfriend threw away the hard drive, and now it's worth, what, $65 million or something, and he's looking for the hard drive in the landfill? Yeah, so that laptop <laughs> he's been using, uh, yeah, so he, uh, the, the rumor has it, he mined like 100,000 Bitcoin or something. Jeez. So it's worth like hundreds of billions of dollars. This is the problem is with the... With the early days of Bitcoin, you know, um, you don't have a hardware wallet. You have a software wallet. At that time, they can only store their Bitcoin on a computer, right? Which means if they lose the computer, they lose the access to the Bitcoin right. forever, like yep. forever. That also means there, there's actually not 21 million Bitcoin in the world. We're estimating there is at least 4 million Bitcoin that is lost somewhere along the way. So there is not 21 million Bitcoin like everyone is 
they think there are. Okay. So there's less. There's less than that. So when you lose an asset like that, you lose the key that points to the uh, where the asset is, and you lose access to it forever. Like literally, you can never find it ever again. No, mm. gone. And what's the, what do you think of the future of cryptocurrency? And the reason I ask that is because some countries have actually, like China, have actually banned the use of it. That's a good question. So Bitcoin is not regulated by any government, governmental bodies. Uh, so it's, it doesn't belong to one country, one government, or one area. It is basically, um, you know, decentralization of finance, right? which means China cannot say what you can do, what you cannot do with a Bitcoin. And China hates not able to control anything, right? That's why they have their own Facebook, right. they, have, they have their own Google, they have their own currency. So, so most people don't, are not aware of this. China has a centralized digital currency, just like Bitcoin, that is operating right now in many different uh, regions. And it is their own Bitcoin, basically. They control it. They can see what's on the books. They can track everyone's money movement. This is what they want. They do not want Bitcoin. They don't want people exporting their money from China out to the United States or Australia. You know, uh, They don't want the capital exit, uh, which they have been having the past few years. They want to control the capital inflow outflow, which Bitcoin does not allow them to do because they cannot tell Bitcoin network what to do. Right. So if anyone in China wants to send 10 Bitcoin out to Argentina, they can do that. It will be there in about, you know, within a minute, right? So so they don't want that. And and really, United States don't want that either because, you know, you, you can have, you know, some government that we say you cannot do business with, you know, like Iran, they can export their, you know, oil to China for a set, you know, and they can pay in Bitcoin or whatever, get Bitcoin instead, you know, I don't know. So a free currency that's not controlled by any government is basically looked down by the government. Uh, now, does that mean people in Venezuela that has a currency problem that has inflation, you know, where their currency their, their currency inflates like 10,000% in a month? Now, is it is it a good currency for those kind of people? I say definitely, you know, because it, it could replace their own currency as a value storage, right? So Right. I can see how that would work and be a, a good alternative if the people were knowledgeable enough to be able to execute a transaction in, in uh, cryptocurrency. Right. I, I think I think in the United States, we're going to get regulation eventually. Once that day happens, uh, the, you will hear on the news, oh, Bitcoin, it's actually safe now. Go buy it, right? But until... But until then, you'll get, you'll get very conflicting views on it. You know, you'll get one day is good, one day is bad. But I, I tell you, smart money is jumping in and has jumped in the past few years. Like uh, Shark Tank guy, you know, Kevin O'Leary, yes. right? he, just, he just said he has 10% net worth in cryptocurrency. Yeah, you know? I, saw that. He was yeah, a, I saw that yesterday. Exactly. He was the guy that was bashing Bitcoin for like many, many years, right? So you can't really, um, how do I say, you have to you make your own judgment. You know, I encourage everyone to make their own judgment on this. When, as a, you know, like if, you, if you're a fisherman, right, you don't get good fish on a clear day, right? You get good fish on a stormy day, on a stormy sea when the ocean is churn, you know, churning, get all the fish from the bottom of the sea up on the surface so you can get more fish, right? When something is very clear, asset that is safe to get, it is definitely not going up anymore. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting analogy. 
Well, that's great, Will. Is there anything else that you would like to add? We're kind of at the end of our time here for the podcast. Uh, Anything that you want to leave the viewers with? Yes. uh, So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, listeners. So, this is my view on cryptocurrency in general. I think you will hear more about cryptocurrency in the future, uh, much more, right? It's probably time for you to take a objective look in the technology, which since it is a technology, right? This, this field is maturing, right? It is definitely a metaverse currency in the digital world as we are moving into digital world. If you notice, everything around you is getting digitized, right? You're, right. You know, you, your, your life, your assets, everything, right? And as we go in digitization of lives, the only way you can actually get a identity that's on the, in the digital world is through blockchain, because blockchain is the only way you can identify something that's unique in digital world. This gets assigned a certain number to it, right? Otherwise, you just you just an MP3 that lives on the cloud, right? That's just, that's not the same as a album that's signed by you know Elvis, you know, back in the day. That's worth a lot, right? So. Right. So as, as we move into the digital world, I think I encourage everyone to look into the blockchain technology that's involved. Um, more companies are going to announce they're involved in this field. If you want to get involved in the digital world, as you know, in the digital currency world, you have to do your own research. You have to, you know, uh, study on, you know, maybe go, go to coinbase.com. You know, there's a learning session, watch some videos. Um, definitely don't think this is a, you know, like a Dogecoin thing where you buy, you know, a thousand dollars, you'd be a millionaire. That's not going to happen anymore. Okay. As the field matures, uh, the, the, the volatility is going to come down. Now, until it does, I think it's worth getting a small percentage in your portfolio and see what it does. So, well, and speaking of, uh, information sources, I think you had told me earlier that there was, um, a webinar on the Gemini.com website. Yeah, Gemini.com has a webinar where you can watch. Uh, it basically tells you from A to Z what cryptocurrency is, how to store them, how to protect yourself. You know, uh, Coinbase also has the same thing. Um, and as, as a matter of fact, I think on Coinbase, you can watch some videos and earn some cryptocurrency um, uh, from watching videos. So, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat. Yeah, get involved. And it's not for everyone. And uh, not everyone's ready for this. But if you're the more adventurous kind, uh, I think you're looking to cryptocurrency as part of your portfolio investment. Well, we thank you very much for being on today. And uh, certainly has piqued my interest um, more than before. I mean, I think I pretty much had a closed mind before and um, had pretty much made a decision not to invest in crypto in my life. Now you've got me wanting to go out and buy uh, what a fraction of a bitcoin <laughs> so we'll see how that goes All right. so if anyone uh, wants more information uh get in touch with our office that's uh ash you want to give them the yes, address of course so if you guys have any questions or if you guys have any feedback for us or want to know more about crypto or any of our other episodes feel free to reach us at info at e and associates.com. And of course, um, another good source for this information would be coinbase.com or gemini.com as Will has mentioned earlier. Um, and yeah, let's all remember that we should learn more about this and try not to be an MP3 on the cloud. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.